I don't think it should be this easy. A disgraced liberal former journalist on a Mockingbird network remembered a liberal scientist. I have a foreboding of an America in my children's or grandchildren's time when the United States is a service and information economy, when nearly all the manufacturing industries have slipped away to other countries, when awesome technological powers are in the hands of a very few and no one representing the public interest can even grasp the issue. Brian Williams quoting. Carl Sagan, who went on to say that all the information would be controlled. Oh, speaking of that, the UN's Secretary of Communications. You know, we partnered with Google, for example. If you Google climate change, you will, at the top of your search, you will get all kinds of UN resources. We started this partnership when we were shocked to see that when we Googled climate change, we were getting incredibly distorted uh, information right at the top. So we, we're becoming much more proactive. Um, you know, we own and the science. the Mockingbird Media. Scientists say climate change could be fueling storms like Hurricane Ian. Storms like Hurricane Ian are only going to get stronger and more dangerous as the climate crisis progresses. Is there any doubt in your mind that climate change is to blame? Rush Limbaugh, God rest him, was right. It is America's Pravda. And we have everything we need to crush them. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. I announced last week that we uh, have done a business deal, a partnership with the radio network. We'll be announcing their name coming up and how that's all going to work. There's some changes to the podcast, and people have noticed that there are some commercials that are running. And that is a way that we keep this portion of the cast absolutely free of charge for everybody. It's also a way that we pay the team and that the show thrives. All right. The more money we can make on this side, the more the show can thrive, the more we can spread this word around. Yeah, that's a bizarre thing. Listening to Carl Sagan quoted by Brian Williams. Brian Williams decided to utterly disgrace himself with a series of lies that, that how could he ever think that stuff wouldn't come out. Do you remember this? He was inventing, oh, I was shot at and I was sitting on a, I'm, I'm just doing this by memory, so I don't want to turn into Brian Williams, but by memory, yeah, I was sitting on a helmet and uh, luckily I didn't, didn't get fragged from below. And it was just anything that, that, that you could go and say, where was, where was he on that day? Oh, he was in New York doing a television show. He wasn't even over there. Quoting Carl Sagan, and I'll play the entire Sagan piece. Uh, though the man was an atheist, as I recall, uh, he was a smart man and God gifted him with an intellect, but he chose, I guess, to worship his intellect. He saw this coming. A lot of people saw this coming. Uh, he's no hero. He's a murderer. The Unabomber saw it coming and wrote about it. And yeah, he's a madman. I don't know if he's a madman, but he's a sociopath. Well, maybe sociopaths can see clearly sometimes. The fact is, it is America, American Pravda. It's not just social media. I mean, we've got the goods. We've got the proof that the government uses social media to censor Americans. We've got the proof that they use social media to distribute the official party talking points. But just mere pattern recognition and logic would indicate that you think they haven't been doing this with the Mockingbird media? Little else can explain why we see what we do in the patterns that we do as CNN was just tanking in the ratings. They kept it up. MSNBC tanks in the ratings. They keep it up. They keep up the message. Lockstep. I think we have everything we need in order to crush the Mockingbird media. And by crushing them, I mean expose them for what they are and open them up to lawsuits aplenty, not just on the COVID flu, but on other areas. I think there's a collusion charge to be made. I think it could make a racketeering charge, a RICO 
investigation. We'll talk about that and whether or not there's anyone in the Republican Party who'd be willing to do this. There might be. I think the Republicans are beginning to understand that they may be able to take down the corrupt media. The Soda Weight Loss Program, uh, sodaweightloss.com, I have a note from Julie. Uh, Julie writes, Dear Todd, I was listening to your program talking about your father being obese And I want to thank you for the way that you approached that topic, mentioning that you loved your dad and that those of us who are obese are not to be thought less of because of the extra fat we carry in our bodies. I'm an obese woman. I have been for about 15 years after a family tragedy. I allowed myself to let go of my health. I conned myself, as you would put it, into believing that I was really just concentrating on other areas of life. In this case, trying to save a small business and trying to help my dad. Well, now almost 100 pounds later, I'm an obese woman and people do look at me differently. You'd said that people shouldn't judge us. I do feel judged. Now, part of that is on me. Part of that's on society. But what you said about your dad regretting that you didn't get to tell him about weight loss or fat loss, as you say it, really hit me. I want to do this for myself. I want to do it with my sisters More importantly, I want to do it for my daughters. I have three daughters, all of whom have watched me balloon up to this size, where I can't play softball with them anymore. I can't go skiing. God forbid I try snow skiing. I want to do this. So I did call Soda Weight Loss. And what I got was exactly what you described. No judgment. The lady I spoke with first celebrated the fact that I'd called. I told them I listened to your show and she laughed and said, that is so cool. I love that. I'm starting the program now. I'm a little bit trepidatious, but knowing that you've taken off 150 pounds of fat, and by the way, would you post a picture of when you were super fat? I think that would help a lot of us. I'm going to go through with this journey. If you would tell me the identity of your loved one that's on this, I'd sure like to know. I'm wondering if it was your mother, being that your dad was obese. I'm on to the soda journey. I'll keep you up to date. Julie in Portland, Oregon. P.S. Yes, I am trying to get out of the separate country of Oregon. Uh, Julie, thank you for the notes. And do uh, welcome to the Soda Weight Loss Program at sodaweightloss.com. That's the same thing I would say to you in person. The same thing. If you're struggling with obesity, it doesn't change who you are. Please don't ever let anyone con you into believing that. It's simply extra fat. It is deadly or can be. And it needs to leave. No judgment. 7,000 Google reviews. Average 4.8 stars out of 5. Soda Weight Loss. S-O-T-A. Weightloss.com. So with the proof that we've seen that social media is an arm of, of the government. And, you know, that's why I call it the party. It's part of the party. I want to go back to this full quote from Brian Williams. And it is amusing. Because he's effectively describing MSNBC with this. He's describing the sort of people who use MSNBC as an information source. He's describing the technocrats that MSNBC has pushed to do more censoring. They want more censoring. So this ability that these people have to be to lack any sense of self-awareness is utterly fascinating to me. Does it fascinate you? Now, I guess part of that, you know, kids lack self-awareness. They'll say things about other people. They can't see the log in their own eye. And of course, you know, from a spiritual perspective, that's all of us. We're always, always cautioned, you know, when you're going to go out and criticize others and their, their adherence to the faith, always make sure that you're aware that you got a log sticking in your eye that you should take care of before you go deal with the speck in other people's eyes or criticize them for it. But there's this lack of self-awareness that people manufacture. And it is so thick in the world of the mockingbirds. I I can't, well, let me give you an example. And then we'll get to this Brian Williams quoting Carl Sagan. Maybe I've told you this before. Forgive me if I have. I was in New York having dinner. Um, This was back when I worked at Microsoft and worked in the media advertising circles, the, the elite circles. And we were sitting in um, up, see, we're uh, yeah, uptown, uh, up by up by NBC, in fact, no, no, up by ABC. 
And it was after, I guess, President Bush was reelected, if I'm not mistaken. And a lady at dinner said, I just can't believe anyone voted for him. I mean, does it's it's I've never met a Bush voter or a Republican. I've never met a Republican. This is midtown Manhattan, up, up, upper, upper, um, upper north side, midtown Manhattan. And I said, I'm a Republican. And people dropped forks and spoons and looked at me. I said, yeah, I'm a Republican. I'm not armed right now, but I'm a Republican. The lady said, you've lied to us. I said, no, I've never talked politics with you. Because we do business together, I didn't think it was material. I guessed you were Democrats. You're from New York. You work in the media. That lack of self-awareness that there are, in fact, us. We do exist. It shines in this clip from Brian Williams. Carl Sagan could not have predicted 2021, but he did see it coming. He wrote the following back in 1995, and we quote, I have a foreboding of an America in my children's or grandchildren's time when the United States is a service and information economy, when nearly all the manufacturing industries have slipped away to other countries, when awesome technological powers are in the hands of a very few, and no one represents the public interest can even grasp the issues when the people have lost the ability to set their own agendas or knowledgeably question those in authority when clutching our crystals and nervously consulting our horoscopes our critical faculties in decline unable to distinguish between what feels good and what's true we slide almost without noticing back into superstition and darkness the dumbing down of america is most evident in the slow decay of substance of content in the enormously influential media, the 30-second sound bites now down to 10 seconds or less, lowest common denominator programming, credulous presentations on pseudoscience and superstition, but especially a kind of celebration of ignorance. Roll that around for a while. Those were among his final published words. He died 10 months later. Here we are 25 years later realizing just what he was trying to tell us back then. That's on a network that let Stacey Abrams go on the air and say that she never claimed to have won the election in Georgia. And, and, and you know the rest of this. So the lack of self-awareness is one thing, but the ability to say that with this straight face gets me to this further point about the media. You know my sandwich theory, that there's very smart, brilliant, evil people on top of things, moving stuff around, and on the bottom, there are underlings like a Brian Williams. Brian Williams is good, very, very good at reading a teleprompter with feeling. He's an actor. In the middle of that are honest people who are trying maybe to get jobs done, even in media. Maybe they're conservatives in media. And they're just trying to trying to progress and get to a point where maybe they have some control. Same thing can be said in public health or teaching, right? There's all sorts of fantastic godly teachers. There's good public health people keeping their heads down. They all have to speak up and all of us are getting squeezed in the middle. I think that's the case with media. But at the top, someone is taking orders. Someone at the top of media is agreeing to do what the party wants them to do. Now, I know for a fact, because I worked in politics and media, I know for a fact that the, the weekend politics shows, those are written by political operatives. They have a game they play in D.C. where they have a contest to see who can get the most, the highest number of questions asked by some of the weekend anchors on like Meet the Press. And they track this stuff. They get paid bonuses for getting someone on TV to read from a teleprompter a question one of them wrote. That stuff is scripted by the parties. Now, the Democrats have bigger access, perhaps, although. Maybe this is all just a big shell game. Mitchell McConnell doesn't care about anything other than a slight tax cut here or there and some judicial victories because it gives him a way to stay in power. He probably doesn't care about media coverage. He probably doesn't care if it's, if it's mobbed up and planned and scripted. And how could I possibly think it's scripted? 
I mean, would you have someone as buffoonish as Cammie Harris talking about something as serious as a hurricane in Florida? And, and this is what Cammie Harris says in the way of policy and response to the hurricane in Florida. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and, and impacted by, by issues that are not of their own making. And, and so women. we... Absolutely. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we, we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and, and do that work. Now, at, least, at, least our- Cammie, at least Cammie knows what equity means in the modern sense of the left, which is black people and BIPOCs, the very special people, are going to get hurricane relief first. Because, of course, BIPOCs and gosh, God, I would be so angry if someone came to me and called me a BIPOC. In fact, I remember the first time I was in Seattle and a woman named Rachel in the newsroom said something about, I just think we need to consult BIPOC people. And she said it like three times and finally said, what does that mean? And she said, BIPOC? I said, yeah, what does that mean? She goes, oh, it's about people. It's marginalized groups. I said, oh, never mind. She goes, what? No, never mind. Never mind. It's labeling. I don't care. No, I'll tell you. Go, I, 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 I don't want to know. So when you have someone as dense of mind as Cammie Harris saying things like that that are blatantly illegal, but you have all but maybe Fox News lined up to, to, to normalize this. I mean, this is tantamount to, did you have to pretend, do you ever have to pretend when you had a racist relative? And I don't even want to say racist, but, but someone from a different era, did you ever have to pretend? I had a sweet aunt. We had, my mom had some aunties and there were, let's see, five of them. I got to know four of them. Three of them were mean people. One of them was a very sweet lady. And the sweetest aunts used to take us out to lunch, like probably once every couple months. And she had money and, and my mom didn't have money. So, so we would go out and, but, and she was just legitimately, I, I loved lunches with her. She was the sort of old auntie you wanted. And one day... We were in, oh gosh, it wasn't even a fancy restaurant that day. It was like a Perkins. Normally she took us to someplace fancy, but we wanted to go to Perkins, I think, because they were doing TV ads. So we're at Perkins in downtown Seattle, or downtown Spokane, Washington. And our, our aunt was making faces at a little baby. And she was like, and, and, and my mom couldn't see the baby because my mom's baby was turned, my mom's back was turned to the baby. We were in a booth. And auntie was making faces and adoring the baby. And the baby was smiling back at my aunt. And I love babies. I loved them when I was a teen boy. I just think they're amazing. And then auntie said, oh, to my mom, she goes, oh, your back is turned. So you can't see the cute little N-word baby. I looked at my aunt. She she said the N-word about the baby. You can't see the cute little N-word baby. My heart stopped and I was thinking, did anyone hear auntie? And my mom said, we don't say that black baby. Oh, that's how we spoke. But my aunt adored the baby, loved the baby. And that was a word that slipped out. Those aren't words that are slipping out. That's policy. That's racist policy. And the fact that the Mockingbird media pretends that crazy, well, not even crazy, but, but power-hungry Aunt Cammie isn't talking about a racist policy is further pattern, is further ways for us to have pattern recognition. Someone at the top has made the decision, we're going to pretend this is all very, very normal. Well, we don't need to like really just 
beat our heads against the wall trying to figure out what's going on. We've got the roadmap. Secretary of Comms from the United Nations made a statement and she makes a statement and wouldn't you know it, the Mockingbird media seem to be backing her up on this. This is all a way of building up to this. With Freedom of Information Act evidence that the social media companies are an extension of government involved in rigging elections, involved in color revolution activities, involved in pushing an injurious, useless, all too often deadly injection, involved in pushing the lockdowns. We may not be able to sue the government or the pharma companies because pharma is government, but dang it, we can sue the Mockingbird media for injuries from the lockdowns, for injuries from the injections, for losing money because of climate change. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example uh, along the, the Bay Area in San Francisco. Investors sue because of the lies of climate change. It, there's, there's precedents all over the place for this. You know, good people, good people just abound when you look. There's some friends who are now refugees of other areas of the country who've relocated to the high mountains of free America. And these friends of mine, I met them, but I want to tell you how. It's interesting. Um, they've invited us up to their home. They have a property in a, in a good amount of acreage and they have a gun range and they've got an indoor and outdoor gun range on their property. It's a shoot and move training facility. And they've invited us up to be trained uh, for some really high-end tactical shooting courses. Starting at the very beginning and then working up through tactical. I can't wait to do this. We met this way. They met Zach Abraham because they decided to move their money into Bulwark Capital Management. Now, they listened to the podcast. That's how they learned about Bulwark Capital Management. But they got to know Zach Abraham before Zach, before I got to meet them. And then they approached me in church. They started to go to the church which, uh, in which I'm a member. And one day they were kind enough to come and introduce themselves and said, you know, Zach said you'd be okay if, you, if we came up and said, hi, I said, of course. Yeah, absolutely. You're listening to the podcast. You're podcast family member. Of course. I'm, I'm thrilled to meet you. Well, they've made that decision to move their money over to Bulwark Capital Management and they're in retirement. Now, Zach focuses on risk management and it's a very big sweet spot for him to help people who are five to 10 years out from retirement, because that's when risk can just ruin you. Or not risk, but not being prepared for risk can ruin you. Because the closer you are to retirement, it's like the closer you are to landing. That's when a plane is that it's most dangerous, right before landing. Well, Bulwark Capital Management works with people who are retired as well. I got a note this week from a podcast listener who has bought Bone Frog Coffee, has come on board with Allen Soaps. Uh, is in fact on board with Soda Weight Loss and she was kind enough to ask me, will they work with retired people at Bulwark? Yes. Yes. And what I said about good people, when I chatted with our friends who are inviting us up to the shooting, wouldn't you know that they reached out to Zach Abraham to invite him as well. So courtesy of the podcast family and Bulwark Capital Management, it appears that I get to finally go shooting with my brother, Zach Abraham. Yes, it's good people. If you're retired or pre-retirement, get your money with good people who focus on risk management, who are honest about the rigged financial system, the zero interest rate loans for the big guys, but not for us. He's been telling us the truth about this for over a decade. Bulwark Capital Management's at 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor, representative of Trek Financial LLC, and SEC registered investment advisor. So my theory is this. There was a case um, against cigarette companies. And you know this, and state AGs sued the cigarette companies because the product was harming people. Well, there was, in that instance, retail stores got sued. Retail stores had to give up 
part of their in-store advertising. That's big. That's that's a big, big, big money maker for stores like uh, Walgreens and 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 big stores that have a lot of footprint. F- f- Fred Meyer and and um, Walmart. That square foot of advertising or square feet of advertising in their stores, they sell that to suppliers and they buy it just like you'd buy any other form of advertising. In a victory for people who sued the tobacco companies, they got to go to the retail stores and say, you're going to give up portions of your in-store advertising and your product storage. We're going to take from you Areas where you would otherwise sell product. And we're going to make you run ads stating that cigarettes can kill you or probably will kill you. And here's how and pictures of of people with cancer to see what that's like to, to warn people against smoking. That precedent was not suing someone who made cigarettes or said they were good for you. It was suing a store and suing their advertising department. We should be able to do the same thing with the Mockingbird Media. If they have, in conjunction with government, perpetuated lies about climate change, and it can be proven to affect these businesses, they should be able to be sued. Well, you can sue them, but we should be able to go to this precedent. It was, I believe, San Mateo, California, had put... Uh, had been a big global warming place. Oh, the globe is warming and, and it's so dangerous and, and everybody needs to understand climate change. But in their prospectus to investors to get, you know, to sell San Mateo bonds, I think it was San Mateo or just north of that. They said there was no risk from the seawater rising. They're right on the, they're right on the bay in San Francisco. There's no risk from this. They're getting sued for this. Because on one hand, they're saying, nope, there's a big risk. On the other hand, they've said, no, there's no risk. We should be able to pursue the same course on multiple fronts against the Mockingbird media. Here is more for pattern recognition. This is the United Nations boss of communications bragging about seizing control of Google search returns for so-called climate change, but listen really closely and tell me if she doesn't also think she's Tony Fauci. You know, we partnered with Google, for example. If you Google climate change, you will, at the top of your search, you will get all kinds of UN resources. We started this partnership when we were shocked to see that when we Googled climate change, we were getting incredibly distorted uh, information right at the top. So we, we're we becoming much more proactive. Um, you know, we own the science and we think that the world, you know, should know it. And, and the platforms themselves also do. Um, but again, it's it's it is um, it's it's a huge, huge challenge that I think all sectors of society need to be very active in. So she said, we own the science and they own the search returns. Are we supposed to play the game or pretend that they only do this with Facebook and Google and YouTube? See, if we can get those receipts and we can get that proof and why couldn't we? The same Freedom of Information Act request stuff done for social media and the interactions with Fauci in the Department of Homeland Security. And and they, they remember, social media helped them lie. The New York Times just ran this piece where they were pretending that the Biden administration was really, really, really trying to solve a problem uh, with a lot of people waiting to get their their their. Um, paperwork to come into the United States, people who came here illegally, but they want refugee status. There's two or 3 million people in that line. The New York Times ran this piece that if you read it, it actually says exactly the opposite of what the headline says. It's a, they're not trying to get anything done. They wanted press coverage and they got it. New York Times says, oh, look, they're, they're, they're actually creating a hardline stance on immigration. They're not. In fact, the Department of Homeland Security data shows that border crossings are likely to set a new record. This is internal numbers from the Department of Homeland Security. 
And they know this. That's the same department that was going to Facebook and saying, hey, you need to wipe out anything you say about the elections, anything about immigration. It's all this information. That's a cabal. That's collusion. That's RICO stuff. Because if all the competitors are doing the same thing, that's anti-competitive. This could be an enormous suit. Now, I obviously am not a lawyer. Obviously, this is a, uh, a, a robust and creative legal theory. But why wouldn't you take a run at this? Because you heard the, the secretary, the, the, the boss of comps from the UN. Okay, well, let's hear from the Mockingbird Media. And do you think there is an alignment? We'll get to that. Also... Something amazing has happened um, in light of the lockdowns. And that was all coordinated through the media. No, truly something amazing has. There is an awakening and a jubilee in young people turning to the Lord Jesus. And it's happening through a rogue preacher. What the media is trying to say is a white nationalist. You'll hear about that in a second. I went, and I think I, I did tell you. Did I tell you? I, I went to dinner with my aunts, my aunts and uncles. I did, right? Uh, so sitting in that uh, dinner and thinking later about this, I told you I gave my uncle some bone frog product. And sitting and thinking further about that, uh, I want to reinvigorate coffee sessions with family. Now, my wife is not a morning person. Uh, my daughter is not a morning person. So I, I think I'm going to reinvigorate and, and maybe get to my uncle and just ask him, hey, a couple times a week, could we get up early and have coffee together? There, there's something about, I think, men and coffee, and I don't mean to be sexist. I don't. Uh, but there is something that I recall about having coffee in the morning before hunting. I think I mentioned that earlier. You know, my dad, I could smell it cooking, and I'm sure that he and put the coffee on and the bacon on to get me out of bed to roust me at three o'clock in the morning or three thirty when we'd you know leave his home to go hunting. But there is this bonding. This is as pretty thrilled to drop off you know the Bone Frog product from Bonefrog.us and and get recognition and and a look like oh you still drink coffee absolutely. And we got to talk about those early mornings drinking coffee, sometimes in the truck before we you know, get out into the cold, sometimes in the tent, sometimes at my dad's house. And I don't know how I let that slip away. And so the bonefrogs.us website, you get 5% off this coffee. And you know that you are working with a guy who's a 25 year Navy veteran and a Navy SEAL. You know that the coffee is meticulously made with one of the, the, the best in the coffee business, Dave Stewart. What would it be like to have some bone frog coffee clubs? What would it be like as a podcast family? And I'm suggesting this for the men, although I think women could do this as well, but there's something about coffee and men, and maybe that is a sexist statement. But what would it be like for all of us to maybe once or twice a week all gather and enjoy bone frog together, even virtually? So at bonefrog.us, please do make sure you use the .us. You get 5% off lifetime subscriptions to this coffee, 5% forever. And the range of coffees, everything you'd expect from light to medium to dark to super dark, K-cup, drip, French press. I don't think I could bring myself to do a French press for the men's breakfast, though. I think it just has to be drip. I don't think it can be fancy. Oh, good. Yes, bonefrog.us is great coffee, but I don't think we could do fancy. Something happened to me about fancy because working in Washington, D.C. and all that time in business lunches and all that Microsoft time, and I'm not bemoaning it. Trust me, I I ate a lot of great meals that Microsoft paid for and, and companies paid for. But I hit this line. I hit this wall with fancy. And I remember in Washington, D.C., one of my staff members said, oh, Herman, there's this new place and let's go here for dinner. I said, you know what? I, I, I never want to go fancy again. What? I, I never want to go anyplace fancy. I don't want to go to any place with a... <laughs> I made a rule. I don't want to go to any place with a tablecloth. <laughs> that was a rule for many, many years. I just, I hit this wall. 
I remember my wife saying, I like tablecloths. Thank you very much. I'd like to go to some place that has a tablecloth. All right, we heard the UN Secretary of Comms. And by the way, it's not communications. I, I, did, did George Orwell, when he died, did they, I don't want to say it that way. What was, well, I was going to say, was he cremated and then blown into the air and a bunch of people inhaled the, the George, but George Orwell was warning against this stuff. She's not a secretary of communications. She, she just said she's a secretary of non-communication. So she makes this point. Okay, so we own the science, she said. We own the Google search returns. Well, what about the mockingbird media? Scientists say climate change could be fueling storms like Hurricane Ian. Storms That's like Hurricane Ian are That's only going two. to get stronger and more dangerous as the climate crisis progresses. Is two. there any doubt Three. in your mind that climate change is to blame? The power and deadly force of Ian and the Four. climate crisis. Tell us the impact of climate change Five. is producing more frequent, more extreme weather events. You know, we get the whole climate change Six. angle of this too. And it's increasing with climate change. Climate Seven. change looming in the background. You know, we, we keep having these hurricanes. Coincidence. Hmm. Could be, could be not. Hurricanes are getting bigger and intensifying more quickly. Yes, climate change. Climate change uh, intensifying hurricanes. These storms are intensifying. These storms are intensifying. Something is causing them to intensify. A phenomenon known as rapid intensification. Rapid intensification. <laughs> rapid intensification. Rapid intensification. Rapid intensification. Rapid intensification. Scientists say that will become more common as the Earth's oceans continue to warm. Climate change is making storms like this one stronger. How do you attribute that to climate change? Is that an effect of climate change? How does that dovetail with climate change? Scientists have warned us for a long time that storms won't get necessarily more hurricanes out of uh, climate change, but the ones we do get will be bigger and faster and wetter. And here is your exhibit A. They, they, it's this, do you remember uh, during the lockdowns where it was, um, oh, they had that word for the virus spreading rate fast, super, well, there was super spreader. They tried that one. A viral hurricane. Oh, uh, epidemiologists say we may be facing a viral hurricane. And they, they, they traipsed that around. So what was it? Immediate intensification. And it's on three networks. There is an absolutely irreplaceable substack. Um, it's, it's called Bad Catitude. Boric Ogato. Bad Cat. And he writes and plots and points to people who are plotting this. This is Chris Martz. Since 1990, the U.S. mainland has been struck by 207 hurricanes. I plotted each of their pressure at landfall and inserted a linear regression line. Overall, there's a slight decrease in pressure, stronger. But given its R2 value, it is even, it, it, it is even one one-hundredths of a percent, meaning the trend is meaningless. And you can look right at the line across history. The hurricanes are the same. And this, there's source after source of this. Here's another graph. Same thing. Another graph. But it's across a longer period of time. Here's yet a longer period of time. These are named storms. All this data is available. If these guys can pull it up, and it's all coming from public data sources. My legal theory is this. Number one. It is illegal for the government to censor us. Number two, it is illegal for companies to collude, to deceive the consumer. It is illegal for companies to collude pricing. They're to be competitors. And when those lies lead to demonstrable harms, Companies can be sued. Nothing will stop them from colluding with government more quickly than being sued successfully. And the way the lawsuits should happen is this, that if the Republicans, if there are any, 
get control of the House and Senate and Mitchell McConnell and Kevin McCarthy will let them. They should issue freedom of not. No, they should issue demands for all agencies of the federal government to turn over all communications between their agencies and the media. 100%. And then they should take those communications. You can't possibly say this is national security stuff. If you're giving it to the media, it's not national security. Give that to us, the public, and let us crowd and do the crowdsourcing thing that the media has done. They did to Sarah Palin. They did to Donald Trump. They did to when when what what was it, one of Eric Trump's devices was found. They turned that over. They hid Hunter Biden's laptop. I think it was one of the Trump family, wasn't it? That one, their device got found, and they turned it over and said, "Search this," or was it? A, no, 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 no. It was a hack. It wasn't a device that got lost. Someone hacked them. They should do the same thing and let us go through the emails and see what the collusion is and bring that evidence forward for damaged parties. If the media went out and libeled someone because government said so, the media could be sued. And the executives of the media could be sued. I mean, keep this in mind. That this stuff happening has been at the full acquiescence, in fact, direction of government. Go back to Pfizer saying, we're not going to release our study information for 75 years. The FDA said, yeah, that's right. We backed them up. They shouldn't have to release the data for 75 years. And the Mockingbird Media, knowing that data was going to be hidden, the Mockingbird Media kept up with safe and effective. Every death... Anyone who took these injections and died because they were conned into it by the Mockingbird media, we could sue them the same, the precedent straight out of the retail case. People injured by the injections, if they took those injections because the Mockingbird media said safe and effective for everybody, they could sue them on the same legal precedent or based upon the precedent of the tobacco lawsuits that went against the retail space. And at least we could get the Mockingbird media running ads saying this was not safe and effective for everybody. This killed people. This injured people. And when that happens, can you imagine if MSNBC had to run that? No, seriously, imagine the people awakening. The victims of MSNBC awakening to this. Now, there's a chance that this could happen. There's a chance that there might be Republicans who will do this. This is an ad from a woman named Tiffany Smiley. She is in Washington state. She's running against one of the worst members of the United States Senate named Patty Murray. A a horrendously bad, A, horrendously bad person. B, just an absolute non-entity in the Senate, but has been there for 420 years. So Tiffany Smiley is a younger woman running against her. She's whatever. She's not Patty Murray. She has some slightly better policies, although she wants to give a bunch of money to the schools. She doesn't want to talk about the social issues. So she's, you know what? She is a wannabe professional Republican, but she's not Patty Murray. She ran an ad where it is her standing, and she's not even there. It's in front of a green screen of a Starbucks downtown. At least it looks exactly like a green screen. In fact, I'm sure it's a green screen. She's standing in front of the screen of a Starbucks, um, looks like yeah, downtown Seattle, that has been shut down. And during this ad, she shows some, some little tiny pieces of Seattle Times stories. And I'll tell you what the Mockingbird Media is doing to her. These doors are closed because it's too dangerous to ask employees to work here anymore. Think about that. For decades, Patty Murray has spearheaded reckless policies that lead to shortages, inflation, and so much crime that you can't even get a cup of coffee from the hometown shop on Capitol Hill, even if you could still afford it. 30 years in the Senate, and this is what she has to show for it. If she won't do the job, I will. They issued a cease and desist. <laughs> the Seattle Times issued a cease and desist because she shows two headlines. And the Seattle Times is pretending that she's that, that this this would lead someone to believe that, she, that the Seattle Times has endorsed her. The Seattle Times barely, I, I can't imagine that the Seattle Times would endorse anyone other than Patty Murray. Patty Murray wants to take taxpayer money and officially give it to the Mockingbird Media. 
Oh, by the way, Starbucks wants her to, to take their store out of the ad. It's on a public street. And she's not using the Seattle Times headlines for material gain. And they let, they, they let Democrats use that stuff in the ads all the time. My point in that is there might be a generation of even, even shiny shoes like Tiffany Smiley who might have been so sickened by the bias of the media. They still don't admit that they helped rig the election. They still don't admit that they, admit that they helped rig the lockdowns or the injections because Tiffany Smiley's not going to talk about anything like that. She talks about slightly lower tax rates and, and stuff, but she's not Patty Murray. So there may be a hunger for this. And the fact is, even if they didn't win any money, the fact is they could open eyes because if the lawsuit was the make good, the same thing that came out of the retail stores and all the mockingbirds had to admit we colluded with government. We hid stories from you. We hid injuries from the injections from you. We hid deaths from the injections from you. We hid the data about storms. They're not intensifying. Not at all. There's no sign of that whatsoever. We told you lies because we were told to tell you lies from the government. If that was the message that had to run on their network, could you imagine the change? Even with all of this, thanks be to God that they can't shut it down. Even with all of the efforts, they haven't been able to shut it down. In fact, something happened during the lockdown. I never did get to go see this guy, or at least I haven't. I remember when he went to Seattle, and I remember how panicked people were when he showed up in Seattle. I remember the news stories about how he was a super spreader and and dangerous and not Christian at all and And what's he even doing there? And I remember the police being called. I remember they were trying to ban him from doing it a show at a place called Gasworks Park. And that was hilarious. Because the Gasworks Park area is peopled with homeless people. And people shooting up drugs. And taking heroin and cooking meth in a public park. But no, it's a guy named Sean Foyt. Who's a Christian songwriter, singer, band member, and a disciple maker. There's a movie coming out, and it's the perfect name. It's called Super Spreader. And it is a double entendre, and it's a perfect one because he was accused of being a super spreader of the COVID flu because he went and sang in public. But what actually happened was that action in the face of this tyranny brought people to the Lord Jesus. Breaking news, stay at home. That is the order tonight as the coronavirus pandemic spreads. We need to bend the curve in the state of California. Social distancing works. Stay home, save lives. Your actions can affect my health. It's critically important that everyone follows the orders that we are given. The governor of California came out with a new set of restrictions. One of those restrictions was you can no longer sing in church anymore. Period. Full stop. And I remember when he said that and I heard that, I was like, (laughs) okay, it's on. More than 50,000 Americans have now died from this virus. Christian singer and activist Sean Foyt leading what's called Let Us Worship. He called it a worship protest. The organizers used the pretense of religion, and that simply was not right. If Jesus were here right now, he absolutely would wear a mask. Meanwhile, suicide rates are exploding. Drug and alcohol use is ravaging America, rioting and, and destruction and unrest, and there's no church to bring the hope. I get a letter from the city prosecutor saying that you're violating the CDC requirement. We reserve the right to arrest your church members. Every thought I had was I wanted to end it. That's scary. If you've observed recurring violations of the safer at home order, in this case, snitches get rewards. It's wild that this is happening in America and it's wild that people are okay with it. There was a a man that we met 
He grew up in the communist country. He grabbed my hands and he said, all the things that are happening right now is how it began for us. America needs to wake up. You have to wake them up. Now that is where communism and Christianity have a headlong clash. How close is Christian nationalism to white nationalism? It is close. There are things happening today that are pushing people to a second American revolution. Christians are rising up, I'm telling you guys. This guy is probably responsible for hundreds of deaths. You know how valuable your life is? What people like Sean are saying about what God says oftentimes is false. You are not a Christian! There's a pandemic, there's a plague. Here's a move of God that's gonna change America. It it is changing America. And what we talked about in this episode about forcing truth. Now think of this. The Mockingbird Media's network of lies and thou shalt not lie is based upon the elitist view that people can't be trusted to make their own decisions because they have nothing to work from, no intellect. And yet we've got the word of God to make these decisions. And so it goes back to this animosity towards the Lord like we talked about with Karl Marx saying he intends to get his Revenge against God. A move like this to sue the Mockingbird media into not even just giving money, maybe that's it, but being forced to say, yes, we are mouthpieces, could be the very thing that could shake people enough to realize they've been watching America Pravda, as Rush Limbaugh, God rest him, called it. And enough to provide them enough of a shock to say, where is truth? And for us to say, it's right here, right now, and it has never changed and it never will change. And every day, bit by bit in this country, we have an opportunity in this time, every day, bit by bit, to ask some of our friends a pretty simple question. Did you know that God is free speech? Did you know that God allows freedom of choice? Oh, yeah, he'll extract responsibility eventually, even in this life. But why do you think then God Almighty is a proponent of free speech and free choice, albeit with responsibility, that the government isn't? What does that say about them? This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and use the skepticism that the good Lord gave us in his word and the mouth and the conscience to ask those very simple questions of our friends. Since God favors free speech, why does the government not?